Hi, this is Randy Wimmer, and welcome back to the Entrepreneur Sound Off and also our LinkedIn live stream. So today's topic deals with perspective and um, <laughs> actually deals with the lack of proper perspective. And what is causing this topic today? Well, I was interviewed on a, for a podcast um, a few days ago, and the inevitable question always comes up is, why did you launch Government Contracting Academy? And uh, I don't know if I've shared that on on this uh, LinkedIn live stream or Entrepreneur Sound Off before, but I struggled launching my first company in the federal government contracting space for two reasons. One, there's no education or, or relevant training out there for an aspiring entrepreneur in this industry. And I'll talk about that here in a bit. And then the second thing is um, I didn't have I didn't have any mentors. Uh, and I could have, you know, mentors are, aren't going to knock on your door and say, yeah, Hey, I'm here to mentor you. And I didn't go out there and seek them. And that's a hit on me. I could have done so much better, but I didn't do that. I thought like, you know what? No, I, I'm, I'm going to call myself. I'll just read. And, uh, my wife always corrects me with this right here. She, uh, my, my eyes are kind of bad and I have, I'm just kind of busy all the time. And, when you read, you can only read. So along the way, I picked up um, audiobooks. And if you've never tried audiobooks, wow. Um, happy birthday. You know, you're welcome because I just gave you the best gift in the world. <laughs> because audiobooks, just the amount of value that it has added to my life, it's just mind-boggling. Um, and I got into those. I, I, I like this story. I like I like sharing the story about how I got into it and why I got into it, uh, because it shows you that a tiny change can have a pretty big effect. And here's the you know here's the change. My wife and I we just had a uh, we just had our first son. He just turned 22. Um, you know, three months ago, just graduated from college. So this is this is 22 years ago. Uh, I remember. Uh, she's in the hospital. She she just had the you know she just had our, our son, and she's really concerned about our dogs. I'm thinking like, man, we just had a baby. Like you know, like oh, no, you need to walk the dogs. You know, it's not fair to them. And I'm thinking like, okay, dear. <laughs> so here I am, shortly after uh, having a baby, I'm, I'm taking care of the dogs, and which was the right thing to do. Yeah, I should have done that. But I'm I just remember driving back to my um, our our tiny little townhouse I lived in. We, I was in the military back then. And I'm driving there, and of course, you know, there's just the whole magnitude of parenthood just hit me on the drive. And there are certain there are certain things that I have chips on my shoulder for, you know. There are certain things that I just, you know, I, I don't, I didn't like that much about myself. And one is I felt like I was largely uneducated. I was uncultured, you know, because I grew up in a very poor area. And, I always had that chip on my shoulder that I wasn't quite as cultured as you know other people, and I thought like I don't want my son to go that way. I want my son to be you know, very cultured, very exposed to the world, very worldly, uh, very well read, and so on and so forth. So I decided right then and there that you know the, the, you know I'm, I can't be a hypocrite. I can't you know I got to set the example. So I started thinking about all the books that I hadn't read before, all the classic, and I felt like well, I mean you are. Just, uh, illiterate, unread, and you know, so on and so forth. And that's not exactly true. I actually was a pretty avid reader, um, but I never really focused on the classics and, and solid literature. So I started doing that. 
And then I realized like, man, you know, you're the chief engineer on the ship. Uh, <laughs> you don't have that much time to do it. You, you, you know, like you're bleeding through the eyes and you're not sleeping. And I thought like, well, you know, the least I can do is like listen to books on tape. So I just dated myself, books on tape. So uh, driving to and from, you know, work. So that's what I did. I went to the library. I got, you know, probably about five or seven books at a time. I, I had my little boom box <laughs> in the front seat beside me. I was plugged into my cigarette lighter, you know, for electricity. And I'd listen and then it'd get to the end of the day, but I'd eject and flip it over and put it back in there and continue listening. Uh, so that's what I did for years. Uh, and I got hooked up. I really did. I, right now, I probably listen to two books a week, you know, on average. And it's, it's not like I'm trying to do it. I just enjoy it. Uh, it's like I'm washing dishes and I got it. I got it on my phone, you know, playing. Um, I'm going on a walk or I'm jogging or something like that. I'm listening to a book on tape. I'm driving. I got a book on tape going on. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll be taking a shower and I got a book on tape. Why? Because it's a really good book. And I, you know, I want to listen to it. So you think about that. Two books a week. Two books a week. That's a, that's a lot of books. Um, you know, over over a couple decades, it's, you know, like a hundred, you know, it's a hundred a year. And I, I stopped doing the, the classics. Um, well, I still do occasional ones if I, if I think I'm going to like the book. But now I mostly do that just for like, you know, uh, relaxation, you know, to help de-stress. Listen to a good story, you get into it, and it kind of makes all the worries of the world go away. So I do it mostly now to de-stress and to have, you know, just it's just relaxation and enjoyable uh, time. Uh, but I used to do started out doing the classics because I wanted to set example. And then when I wanted to become an entrepreneur and I was like just grinding through those business books. And that's what I was doing. It wasn't a single business book that I ever listened to, um, you know, audio book that I, I didn't think added some value. Now, at some, <laughs> at some point, you can say that almost about anybody. You know, like, I'm glad I did that, that added some value in my life, but it, it wasn't action. And in fact, uh, I, I quickly realized that books about business and self-help and motivation, they, they, they kind of come into three different categories. Um, you, you have the, you know, the, the books about these celebrity CEOs. And, uh, these are like the marketing people. We're talking about like Bill Gates, you know, Jeff Bezos, uh, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, and about all their great and wonderful triumphs. Before then, you had your Henry Fords. And, um, you know, if you want to go way back historically, there, there's all, there's just really some some great people to uh, to learn about. Uh, Henry Henry Ford obviously he had a very dark side, um, but <laughs> but his business was like really 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 good. Um, I, I, I but <laughs> I'm off topic there a little bit, but. Uh, so you have these celebrity CEOs, and then the next kind of group, you have the self-help people. Uh, these people who, who just like motivational speakers. Uh, they'll motivate you to do anything or try anything. That's that's good. You got to be motivated. And then there's the leadership books. Um, and these leadership books right now, over the last, I would say, decade or so, have been completely taken over by, by military people. You know, the former Navy SEALs, so on and so forth. They're writing uh, books right now about leadership. All three of these category of books are, are just really helpful. They're really, really, really helpful. 
<laughs> but they're not action. You know what I mean? It's, they're just not actionable. Uh, the trials and tribulations of a troubled teenage frat boy who drops out of college and goes on and does, you know, launches a multi-gazillion dollar company are not the kind of challenges that you're going to face in your early 30s as a federal government contracting company, you know, owner. It, it's just not. It's just, it's just completely different. And, um, and listening to him go through it or another you know, celebrity CEO or, or business icon, it's just, you know, that's, that's great learnful. You know, you can see, wow, you know, when I'm faced with, you know, <laughs> with a hostile board takeover, then I better do X, Y, Z. You know, like, I don't even know what a hostile board takeover is. Uh, so it's just not, it's entertaining. It's, you know, kind of gives you that perspective of business, but it's not your perspective. These motivational gurus, you know, I, I, I can't remember who it was or where I'd attribute it to them. Um, the, <laughs> they had this funny, they, they had this funny little post. It's like how to stay poor. Well, one of the best ways to stay poor was, is to take advice from your poor friends, <laughs> you know, and then there's the other set of advice is to take advice from people who've never done it. And, um, and, and I, that's kind of where I put these motivational speakers is they, you know, they, they, they tell you about their system to become wealthy. And the, the only business successes they've ever had is to tell people to follow their system, come up and it's like, mm, you know, uh, if they can't talk about their product, you know, and they, they can't, <laughs> or they, they can't talk about uh, their, their business success, it's because you're their business success because you've fallen, you know, in my opinion, uh, kind of victim uh, to, to that kind of thinking. Now that's not to say that Tony Robbins uh, doesn't have great and wonderful insights. Uh, he's golly, I think he's worth like 300, 400 million bucks right now. So he's obviously a very successful person. And, you know, one could argue that right now he's, he's like leading a business empire, but it's not what you're, it's not what I, um, you know, if, if you wanted to follow his footsteps and, and come up with a product to, to help people get rich quick. You know, and then tell people that they can do whatever they want to do and find their inner selves and all that good stuff um, and become rich doing it. You know, that's a pretty good mentor to follow. And then there's the final group. Um, and I got to be really careful here because I got a ton of respect for these people. Um, and those are your, your Navy SEALs and uh, or your special ops people. And there's, I think there's a few Navy people in here you know, who commanded ships or submarines. And they're talking about leadership. And I will say this, the, the military is a petri dish for leadership. You can culture and grow your 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 leadership style just phenomenal, you know, in the military. But again, it's not action. Um, you're at that phase right now if you're an aspiring entrepreneur where you want to know about what infrastructure is really required and, and what is it what can wait not you know not relating a a, a terrorist snatching grab operation uh in, in a hostile you know, third world country you know to to somehow or another uh managing profit loss it's you know um that's not 
what I would say 100% you know actionable is it, is it great is it beneficial to read absolutely you know because they, they're talking about some of the fundamentals of leadership and and you know leadership applies to everything. however <laughs> so does so, so does profit and loss so does you know learning how to keep your, your costs low. so does writing a winning proposal you know all these different things and they're a little bit more relevant right now than than some of these motivational platitudes are i in government contracting academies like i said the one thing um the the primary reason that that i launched it is because it's really difficult to find training and uh i like i said i i just assumed that i would research and i'd find a great mba program um that that kind of dealt with the, the federal government contracting industry and you know, doesn't exist does not exist they don't even mention it i've talked with a few people who you know had elite mba programs and i truly mean elite because uh the government contracting academy we have people we do harvard mba we, we got a, you know, sloan business school we got uh warden we you know we, we we've got some really 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 high-end people and they all say like wow you know that mba was great learned a whole bunch of stuff but it didn't really teach them what they needed to know about federal contracting and there's a reason why that is um in fact <laughs> there's a reason why that perhaps getting an mba program is not that applicable um, to, to actually be an entrepreneur. Now, there are entrepreneurial programs that they can help you out, but you got to take a look at who's teaching it uh, just for fun. And I'm going to pick on Dartmouth. Uh, the reason why I'm picking on Dartmouth is I think it's the smallest Ivy League school. So I figured they'd be easiest and the fastest for me to collect the data. So that's what I did. I went to their website. They have a great website, the Tuck Business School, they great business school, great reputation. How can you go wrong with a, you know, with an Ivy League business school? So I pulled the profiles of every single one of their professors and 13% actually had any entrepreneurial experience, only 13%. And the overwhelming majority of those were sitting on venture capital boards where they were, or private equity, where they were actually, you know, buying companies or investing in companies. And there's a big difference between investing in a company and running. Big difference. Um, and again, so they're the overwhelming majority. So they're like way in the low single digits uh, regarding the percentage of their professors who actually, who've actually been in the hot seat. And that's pretty typical too, because I've spot checked other, other, uh, other business programs as well. And they don't do much better. So there's a lot of theory that's being taught in these business schools um, and not so much the, the, the actual, this is how you do it. Um, because I, how, how would you teach that? <laughs> you know, like, how do you fake it till you make it? You know, I, I don't think there's fake it till you make it one-on-one. And if there is, I'd love to see the 102 class, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, they don't, you know, these, these programs don't really exist and they certainly don't exist for the federal government contracting industry. So, what do I do to help um, government um, government contracting academy you know clients you know have success? Well, 
I think it's lesson number three. I, I'm not sure, but it's, it's one of them. It's like in the first five. And I tell them, oh, it's lesson number two. I, I see it written up there. It's lesson number two. I tell them to list five CEOs that they want to emulate. And, you know, somewhere between three to seven years, tell me a CEO owner in our industry that you want to be, that you want to be as successful as. And the overwhelming majority of the people that sign up for Government Contracting Academy can't mention a single CEO from the category, you know, of, of in, or the industry that they're pursuing. Not a single one. And there's a reason why that is because, you know, deck of millionaires who are successful in the federal government contracting industry aren't being asked to write books. <laughs> who would read a book about that? Like, oh, wow, I had this big proposal. And you know, kind of pales in comparison to a snatch and grab operation somewhere, you know, in Somalia. It, it just really does. It's like, mm, does it kind of grab the attention as well as, uh, you know, a story like that? Um, or how, you know, you did, you know, you did have to persevere a hostile takeover or uh, how you went bankrupt three times and you finally made it on your fourth time and now you're a multi-gazillion dollar company and you own two or three small islands. Uh, and maybe even, you know, part of a small continent. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, that that's fascinating. Like, because nobody lives that. Um, however, those people, those successful CEOs that are maybe three to seven years ahead of you are the people you need to be talking to because they're the ones who are kind of like laying down the path to success. Um, even though that I, and, and this is, this is a hit on me. We, we actually had a family friend who uh, was the CEO and, and co-founder of a of a small business, and he was about he was about three four years ahead of me. And I remember having lunch with him a few times. And the, the hit the hit on me is I never followed up. I never pursued it. I never I never maintained the relationship because if they're that far ahead of you, you'll never be competitors. And some of the insights that I got from this guy were just just phenomenal. Uh, some of the things I never thought about. It's like, when do you hire your recruiter? When do you actually go from trying to do all this stuff through outsourcing to actually bringing in a recruiter? Who should be employee number four in your company? You know, what are the things you think about? All of these different things, all of these different things. Um, you know, it's just, when, when do you move into your first office? What do you look for in office space? Uh, Ford, let me tell you something. I, I, I made a few mistakes there. I, I do it completely difficult. So, a lot of different things that they're going to be able to share with you that you that you aren't going to be able to get from one of these business books. And again, I've read a bunch of them. Um, not as many as probably I should have, but you know, looking back on it. Um, and the reason why is because I started realizing that, like saying, like, okay, I, I got that, you know. Um, you got to be organized. You got to believe in yourself. I got that. I believe in myself. Okay. So, uh, but if you're not, if you're not identifying people that you want to emulate, 
then, you know, how are you going to get from point A to point B if you don't know where point B is? Um, because, you know, you don't see somebody else standing at point B. And, and I think that's a really easy way uh, to, to get there. You know, you can benchmark not only their company, but also the individual. If this is if this person is getting it done, try some of the stuff that he's doing. Um, and if he's in your industry and he's doing uh, and he's having the sex success the success that you want to have, then do what he's doing. And I, you know, I, I think that's the greatest form of flattery is to say like, you know, like, hey, I want to be where you are. And how did you get there? And what you, what did you do to get there? You know, not not just the, the not not just the business stuff, but also the individual stuff. You know, how did you manage your time? You know, those are the those are the real questions that you need to be asking. And the only people that you can ask and get a reasonable and realistic answer are the people who who are in your industry, who are about, you know, five years ahead of you. Been in the industry for five years, six years, and, you know, they're on the cusp of graduating from their small business size threshold. They're really crushing it. Because all of these self-made billionaires, um, well, they had a wee bit of a, an advantage over, over most of us. Uh, for example, Bill Gates' uh, mom sat on the same board as the CEO of IBM and uh, kind of convinced him to take a chance on her son. Um, Bezos, you know, Amazon's founder, then he, he got uh, $300,000 um, seed funding from his, from, his, from his family, from his parents. You know, a third of a million bucks is not chump change, you know, when you're starting out with, with 300,000, especially when you're talking about when he did this, you know, 20 plus years ago, $300,000 a hell of a lot more than what it is now. You know, and everybody thinks that uh, Warren Buffett, and I got a ton of respect for Warren Buffett, but uh, it's not like he, he wasn't the son of a congressman who entered investment fund. And, you know, Elon Musk, uh, his, his father owned an emerald mine in South Africa. You know, it's like, you know, these, these people don't exactly have the same, uh, you know, they, 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 they started out with a little bit different advantages than, than the regular person. Um, so I, I'm telling you, you need to find the people, find the people who are most aligned with what you want to do. I, I know I kind of beat this dead horse a little bit. Um, now the next question is, and I, and I don't really want to just send you out there to say, say, hey, find really good people. What I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend that you go to a few different you know, lists and Google, uh, Google searches to find people. You want to find really successful small business owners? Um, go to the Oasis contract vehicle and look at the companies who are on the Oasis contract vehicle, or the CIO SP4, or the Alliant contract vehicle, or the ones that are listed in the Washington Technology Fast 50 list, or those who are listed in the Inc. 500, or I think it's Inc. 5000 now, but you, you can even sort it on government contracting. Or how about this, the Deloitte Technology Fast 500? You know, all of these are great lists and you're gonna find some great small businesses and reach out to those people. That's the very first assignment that I have for Government Contracting Academy uh, clients. Go out there and 
go to these lists, find companies that are close to you, perhaps. Um, if, if there's a few of them that are close to you, those are the ones that I would target because maybe you take the guy out for lunch. Maybe take the CEO out for lunch. And you will probably learn more during that lunch than you will reading 50 bucks um, about business or about you know motivation or or snatching grab operations. Because I, that's the person who just walked the path that that you're going to be walking. And um, most of the people that I know who's had some business success, they want to give back. They really do. They want to help out the next person because you know, usually somebody helped them out and they want to just pay it forward. And, you know, I, I really do think that most of the people would be willing to do that. That's all I have. Um, I know <laughs> basically this discussion boiled down to, hey, find some people who, who are doing what it is that you want to do, who are really doing what you want to do and follow them. Don't follow these people who are sitting on, you know, $400 billion companies that got there because it was just, they caught lightning in a bottle. That That's not what we're doing here. That's not realistic. Um, and for every one of these people, there's literally the entire state of New Hampshire worth of people who tried to catch lightning in a bottle and missed, and they're bankrupt. Uh, and their life is pretty miserable right now because that that kind of success it's high high risk, high reward, and a lot of these people they just you know the, the risk that they took was just just absolutely uh, mind boggling. It really it really was. And and here's the other thing too that I would say: a lot of these folks uh, had they just been off by six months to a year, that would have been a difference between them going bankrupt and and them um, having the success that they've had. So there's probably somebody else that was six months either ahead or behind Jeff Bezos. He could have been just as successful, um, but they didn't have the time. I'm not talking, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's obviously he's a brilliant business person, but and a visionary and all that kind of you know good things. But what I'm trying to say though is, is there's also a lot of luck that goes into having that crazy kind of success. Same way with, you know, like small time success. I look back at what little bit of modest success I've had and, you know, I think I would have been successful because of just grit. You know, I, I just kept on failing all the way up. So up until I, I succeeded. So I, you know, had I not got my quote unquote lucky break, I probably would have been, you know, bidding on until I did get it. But um, so anyway, that's today's topic. I, I know it was kind of meandering. Um, but I think this is one of the most important things that aspiring entrepreneurs find that mentor that they want to emulate that's in their industry that's about five years ahead of them. So I will see you in the next talk.